0: Having both given the LA acting scene the old college try, Leslie Hardy and Jeffrey Wiley know a thing or two about resilience and optimism. With a shared philosophy based on determination to always stay positive in what can often feel like an ever-darkening global landscape, these actor colleagues decided in their 50s to finally and literally make their dreams come true. Inspired by Jane Fonda herself, Jeffrey and Leslie founded Third Act Productions and are currently in the post-production phase of their new film, Do Over, which is about a woman looking back on her life and choosing to amend a certain regret. Because as both Jeffrey and Leslie personally know, there is always an opportunity for second chances. Join us for the next episode of Bourbon with Beagle. I'll be drinking Angel's Envy. What about you? This is Gary Beagle with Bourbon with Beagle, A Talk on the Rocks. And today we're very excited to have with us Leslie Hardy and Jeff Wiley, uh, who are unique individuals that have a varied background. But we're going to talk today about incorporating production into film that speak about older individuals and how they manage to find love. It's a woman's story, I understand, Leslie, that you Mm -hmm. helped... uh, right? So I always go through and ask two questions of my guest. And so the first question is, what generation are you with? So Leslie.
1: I would say, you know, I saw that. I'm, I guess technically I'm the tail end of the baby boomers. Uh I was born in 63, but so often my life raising a child or, you know, different parts of life, I felt like I aligned a little bit more with the is it right after that the
2: gen x gen
0: x X.
1: yeah so i'm one of those you know just sort of right on the cusp between baby boomer and gen x
0: i did a series on generations and talked to each one of the generations and the x individual was right on the high end of of the x and below the boomers and they're having the same issue i think you are which is we don't identify with the boomers the older ones because it's such a wide age difference and we have a different perspective And uh, I always said it should have been another generation in between there that identifies us. So Mm.
1: yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And Jeff, what generation are you? Well, the
2: same. I was uh, born in '62. Uh, Even growing up in uh, in my early 20s, uh, when Boomers became a big thing, I was constantly every day just going, "That's not me at all." I'm not anywhere in that that generation. And also with Generation X, I was kind of a loner as a kid, really. So uh, I devoured pop culture, but you know, I was just kind of a nebulous as to where I fit in until I got yeah, older.
0: True, true. And, and I think the boomers have defined a group of individuals and a generation, but it's not the correct identification for individuals in our, our age groups. So, yeah, I that. appreciate that. Do you, Leslie, have a personal philosophy on aging?
1: <laughs> I read that question of yours, Gary. You know, it's, it would be lean in. As much as you can lean in. I mean, I think after working for years as an actor in Los Angeles and then and even then, when I started writing a little over 10 years ago, I heard a writer I respect a lot say, oh, and I'm not getting any younger. And I realized ageism crosses the lines from acting to writing to directing. And I just think that's a hard way to live in whatever realm you're in is fighting something, pushing back against something. So... I don't know. You know, I think we all have those moments when we're like, "Oh my gosh, am I going to say my age?" Or, "Oh, if you're, you know, starting to date someone, or you're putting <clears> yourself <throat> out there, or you're, or it catches you by surprise." And, but I, I really try to go against that and and just embrace. I don't know what else can one do, you know? But embrace, embrace and be grateful, and be grateful for the days of getting older.
0: That's, really, when that's there's great when there's so philosophy.
1: many of us that are just that are not making it out of their fifties, uh, cancer is ubiquitous. Just, and so really to try to turn that around and find the joy and be really grateful for every day.
0: Yeah, great. And lean-to is a new word that I have not heard in this discussion. So I appreciate you sharing that. So lean-to means to embrace the aging process, if I'm understanding correctly, and to be a little... Rebel this?
1: <laughs> Why not? Uh, yeah, and I, I don't I like lean to, but I actually said lean into, which oh, I think is into. something okay. yes, that Thank you for um, clarifying that. The Facebook person <clears throat> wrote, I can't remember her name at the moment, but about leaning into whatever it is that you, you know, and that's very much of a Jeffrey and I share a sort of a Buddhist. He's much more grounded in it than right. I am, but there is that but like, turning around and walking into what scares you. So right. it is the lean into.
0: Well, that, that's great, and and thank you for for um, leaning le- using the term "lean into" because I haven't heard that before, and it's it's a great philosophy. So that's wonderful. Thank you, Jeff. Ha- do you have a a well, personal philosophy on aging as well?
2: Oh yes, and it's akin to what what Leslie just said for leaning into mine. Uh, mine comes from my mom, who's ninety two, still lives alone, still drives, has all her faculties, and. You know, her entire life, and and you would think she's twenty years younger than she is. Yeah. every morning when we wake up, we make the decision to be happy,
0: yeah,
2: you know, uh, no matter what's going on in life, there there's always problems in life. even if you're going through great grief, great uh, trouble at work, anything, mm-hmm. we make the choice to be happy. And the reason, aside from good genetics and our family, I think, she's still so vibrant at ninety two because of living from her heart and just choosing to be happy, you know what? And it's, it's more than being optimistic, right? You know, optimistic is like, Oh, I hope things will work out and things will be fine. Because even when things aren't fine, we can still choose to just live with it
0: and be at peace with it. My mom's 92 as well. Oh, wow. Very independent, uh, very active in doing things. And, and she, she's a cleaner. So she loves to clean her little apartment and do all that good stuff. But, um, she has the mentality, too, I think, of being a survivor, and in being a survivor is that you have that positive outlook and attitude mm-hmm. to do that. So, Leslie, do you have anyone that is older that you would admire that has this spirit that we're talking about, the 92-year-old moms?
1: Mm, no, not at the moment. Okay. They're, not, they're not with me anymore.
0: Oh, that's too mm-hmm. sad. That's sad.
1: Well, yeah. Great. Yeah.
0: yeah it, it, I, I th- I've i seen people that are in their nineties that act like they're in their sixties and I have clients that are 60 that act like they're in their nineties. So yes. I really can't tell age anymore. Uh, it's just a, a mindset. I think it's the key here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it
1: is a aware. mindset. It is. It is so much of life is in one's perception and it is a mindset. And okay. just what you said, you can find young people, twenties, thirties, who just a, just a hardened or a bitter or a cynicism, um, things that to me feel old. And you can find, you know, people 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. my grandmother was almost 101 when she, she wow. left us. And then joy, just mm-hmm. you know, joy in whatever it is, simple things, cleaning, whatever right. it is you enjoy.
0: Exactly, exactly. So how has your personal journey evolved uh, to bring you to this place? Today.
1: What place am I in today? (laughs) I don't know what place that is. Um, That's interesting. I was having this conversation with my daughter who's in her 20s, and she Mm -hmm. was questioning. She lives in New York, and she was questioning her work and if she was living to her full potential. And we were having this conversation as a person in her 50s, young woman in her 20s. And to answer your question, I feel like I am finally. living to my potential bumping up against what i am able to do in writing directing producing it stretches me it kind of scares me because i don't you know i do you know what i'm it's like bumping up against how if i can do something right and so that's exciting what brought me here you know the last 3 decades <laughs> the last however many decades of life yeah,
0: yeah. So I think it's expanding those boundaries uh, that you were ch- talking about and uh, putting yourself out there to do that. We just had an interview with a gentleman who does storytelling and reflecting on people's stories that where they're at and helping them to realize some things in their lives. And I think that's always good for all of us. Mm-hmm. But the broadening mm-hmm. of the horizons seems to be a lost art sometimes, I think. Because I see that very much so with other individuals. Do you see others doing what you're doing or less?
1: doing what I'm doing in which is
0: putting yourself out there, pushing the boundaries, putting yourself into issue uh, places where, where you,
1: I could where I can fail, yeah, you know, and yeah. I saw this. I don't know. I, I I think there's I do. I do because where I'm at Jeffrey, through our theater company in Los Angeles, and New uh-huh. play development company, I think, that we were surrounded by, and it was writer centric. So, as a writer, it was a constant source of place to go up and set yourself up for failure, and to try to broaden. And if you're going to broaden your horizons, or you are going to fall flat at times, you right. I don't think you can get there without falling flat, you know, failing. So, I in the creative realm, I see, I think Jeffrey and I we see that a lot in a more traditional line of work, you know, I don't know. I I see a lot of fear. I mean, I even saw some of that, you know, from my mother of, oh, I hope it works out for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's hard for people when you care about someone to see them putting a lot of effort into something, even if it brings them a lot of joy without wanting it to work out well. And I think you have to be willing for things to not work out well in the moment. And then you keep going to the next moment. Right. You know, so you have to be willing that you have to be willing to fail to succeed. Yeah, yeah, we've all heard that, but does that make any sense? You have to be willing to put yourself out there, and absolutely, yeah, yeah, it Mm -hmm.
0: makes sense. And and I think, um, does your daughter have the fear of going out and doing these things? That generation, do you think?
1: She has a fear, which I think is amazing, which I certainly feel now. She said, "I feel like she's 27. I feel Mm -hmm. like time is passing." Oh. So that's you know Gary maybe another subject for you another another group to enter. Absolutely. It, yeah, and that was something oh I was played too loosely with time in my 20s mm-hmm. way into my third just Yeah. You know that's the beauty of getting older is that you realize, you know, mm-hmm. oh time is precious and how am I going to spend it? So yeah, I think it was for her it was just a time is passing and she's at that time when I think there was a New Yorker spoof on this of, you know, hang on as long as you can and then go to grad school where a lot of people not knowing what they're going to do next. And so, oh, well, I'll go back to school. I'll go to grad school. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, questioning, you know, existential questions. And-
0: what an insight, though. Mm-hmm. I would have not have thought about that. I, I yeah. would, speaking of an older individual, Yes. But what an insight. And she was able to share that. We, that's good. Great. So, Jeff, or do you go by Jeff or Jeffrey? Uh, Jeffrey, usually. Oh, okay. I met you as Jeff, I think. But, Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey. Uh, so uh, I will go back and change Jeffrey on all of this. We'll right, no, have to all right. do that. Uh, no, I want to be correct on that. I should have asked. I okay. apologize.
1: Although, but, no, no, Gary, on our on the set of Do Over, our wonderful uh, cinematographer Iliana Ipass, she called Jeffrey. You answered to Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> she uh-uh. called you Jeff throughout. You? Yes. No, <laughs> and that, and that in that
2: scenario, of, she was the boss. I let her. Just, you know.
0: Absolutely, right. absolutely. So, what are? How did a? I always ask this relating to it as well. How did a young man from Corpus Christi, oh, Texas? the same as I, I am from Amarillo area. But how did you come to LA and have this wonderful experiences that that I I've, I've seen uh, that you do? How, how did that happen? With no real
2: design at the time, kind of like okay. what Leslie said about even through my 20s, you know, just being haphazard in a way. And 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 I'm actually I'm very ADD in many ways. And that affected me a great deal out of high school through college, through my twenties mm-hmm. and thirties. I've been on stage since I was eight years old, and I've always known, always knew I wanted to be a performer, a director, and uh, eventually made my way to uh, the film department at Columbia College in Chicago after a few years in and out of school in Texas.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, then it was time to leave Chicago, and I moved out here and, and to L.A. in uh, the fall of 88. And it, it's interesting for me because part of the question you would ask was our personal journey and how did it get us to where we are now.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
2: For all of my desires and all, as creative as I always wanted to be, I was always just distracted. I've always worked in nightclubs and restaurants, used to own my own restaurant. So that was always the bulk of my work. And over three decades in L.A., I just was able to keep scratching my itch of uh, doing theater work and production work, uh, doing camera and directing short films and web series and such. So, um, you know, part of like getting back to the question of as to how the journey led to where we are now, uh, I had had, uh, been at a job for 24 years in L.A. uh, managing a big gay dance club on the east side. And um, after I maybe it was COVID partly, just also getting, you know, 58, 59 years old, I realized I really, I I want to finally try to pursue my career like I never did my production and theater career. And Leslie was just such a great inspiration because she's such an amazing writer. And we're kind of like, you know what? Let's let's just do this. And she called up and said, let's let's do something. And I said, Yes.
1: I thought you called me and said, Let's do something. And I said yes.
2: Well, maybe that was I know I was thinking about it a long time. And, and then we were talking about
1: Jane Fonda. And then that's a whole other story how that's we a whole came other up story. with third act productions.
2: Yes. So okay. it, it it was just we were very copacetic in what we wanted to pursue. And I mean, for me, I'll be 60 in December and, um, you know, I feel like I'm 18 again. Sure. And that, uh, you know, I, I, the world is our oyster and I'm just out of school, but I'm not the snot nosed idiot kid that I was self-loathing, self-hating, you know, uh, gay repressed kid that I was at 18, which, sure. you know, uh, had colored all of my teenage years since I was about 10 or 11 and into my early twenties until I finally came out where was I going with this? So all of that, you know, once I did come out and and it really set me on a journey to learning to be happy and learning to love myself. And I just, I feel great about everything now. It's, it's a joy. It's like getting able to relive it again, you know, leaving, leaving school and getting out in the world.
0: Well, it's, it's, I just uh, talked to somebody today where they were saying, if if it doesn't bring me joy, I'm not going to be doing this. And that's been their philosophy for a while. And I went, you know, that's very true. We all should be saying if, if we're, it doesn't bring me joy, then this maybe isn't the right direction for mm-hmm. us to go to. So follow your kind heart. it's kind of insightful for me. Mm-hmm. You guys have a, a company or third act. And tell me a little bit about you alluded to how you guys kind of came together. But what is third act and how has it blossomed? and taken hold with you? With you.
1: When um, I started writing, then I uh, submitted and was accepted into a group called Fierce Backbone in Los Angeles, and they were writer-centric. They really didn't even call themselves a theater company. They said they were a new play development company, which sounds to some sort of like an oxymoron in Los Angeles, the new play development company. But I like saying it proudly, because even after working as an actor in Los Angeles for years, I've never been more impressed at the commitment of the actors Mm -hmm. that I found, and I never did much theater as an actor. I was so impressed with the actors I found in Los Angeles willing to give of their time to help writers, Mm -hmm. to help writers rewrite and explore their work without any gain other than the love of it and the love of Mm -hmm. practicing their craft. So it was this sort of eye-opening as I was transitioning, getting very disillusioned. I'd been doing a lot of just very mediocre television stuff in Los Angeles and little guest spots on things and tons of commercials and just not really getting where I wanted to be creatively. And that's when I started sure. writing. And it's interesting, I've had those conversations with other sort of middle-class actors, you know, who you're in that sort of very it's kind of a dangerous area where you're making a living Mm -hmm. such as it is. You're, you're not getting no work, you're getting work, but you're not bumping into a place where you can really do things that are creatively fulfilling and empowering. So that's when I started writing, uh, got into Fierce Backbone and that's where I met Jeffrey. And this was sort of, I don't know if you guys have had this a little bit, the beginner's luck, they say, that's the universe's way of telling you keep going yeah. keep going. I had that when I started acting. I had it when I started writing. And it was a play that I had written called A Good Grief. And Jeffrey was, I don't know if they had to bribe you, threaten you. I don't know how you got coerced into, into
2: directing A Good Grief. Oh, you don't know? No, I fought I to direct it. I fought to direct that play. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I, oh. I'm directing this. I have to direct this. You know, so I really pushed for that. I didn't know if I I didn't know you didn't know that. Yeah,
1: no. And you know, Gary, one of the things about this that for Third Act Productions, this isn't Jeffrey, and I we can certainly butt heads. He's like the brother I never had, and we can. (laughs) But I have. I think we both have such an admiration for each other's work and creative eye, and what the other one brings to it. And Jeffrey, yeah, well thank you for fighting to direct that. They it went back to the beginner's luck. It was one of the first full-length plays that I had written and Fierce Backman wanted to produce it. Jeffrey directed it. That was back in 2013. Wow. So years, you know, come and go. There were other things. There was another play I wrote called Red Dirt Town that was optioned by someone in the, in the Hollywood world and has since fallen out of option. But Jeffrey spoke up right away and it's set in the small town in Alabama. And Jeffrey is one of the ones who was like, I love this story. I love this story. If it ever comes in and so there were these things that kept you know, I was like, oh, I think Jeffrey kind of likes my work. He likes well, what I might. Jeffrey, go ahead. Go well, ahead. Well,
2: quick <laughs> quick anecdote to that. What was it? It was before COVID. It was 2017, correct? Or 2018.
1: 2019. Um, there was that reading.
2: Well, no, when because a fierce backbone had mm. also voted oh, right. to do Red Dirt Town as our fall production. And uh, on one Monday night, we met every Monday night. And the next Monday, Leslie comes in and says, guys, I'm really sorry. I didn't mention this last week because you just never know. But the play was just options. So we can't do it this fall. And uh, I was devastated because I wanted to direct the play. And yeah, it's it's an amazing play. And then uh, she eventually developed it into a screenplay, which just is even more incredible the way she sure. opened up the story for her or her storytelling, and uh, that's then kind of what led us to this. Just saying, mm-hmm. yeah, let's do this. Do this ourselves. Actually, Leslie, I think it was the week or two after the option expired. Uh, the production company just you know, just let it fall away. And, and she called me and said, you know, let's just do it ourselves. And I'm like, you're right. We're not getting any younger. Let's do this. Absolutely. So,
1: that is and- a big thing about aging, too, coupled with having worked for years as an actress in Los Angeles, where I came from the of like, stay in your lane. I had this conversation with an actress friend of mine. Stay in your lane. Read your you know, work hard. Get, go, do your best on the audition and hope someone will hand you the job forget that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think that was a huge part of this and Jeffrey and us like, let's do our own things. We'll need to start with shorts. Those are within our budget, learn the craft, get our, you know, get this down. Um, But it was not wanting to wait anymore Mm -hmm. for someone to say, okay, you can go and do that.
0: So you push the, and this is my own words, push the boundaries to uh, open up your, your abilities to do this on your own. So
1: yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, Leslie, I'm very interested in, do you have a common theme when you do playwright, when you're writing plays? Do you have a, do you have, how do you come up with the creative idea, I guess, being a non-entertainer um, actor? I don't know whether I'm using the right words there, but how do you come up with a creative
1: The ideas?
0: spark that creates a play?
1: Well, yeah. And it's, it's interesting sort of without making a conscious decision, I've sort of turned more for the screen now. Um, I think it started during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and also realizing it was so competitive in the theater world, but then when the pandemic and a lot of small theaters were, you know, just really shuddering and just having a bumpy road through that, it made me coupled with my conversation with conversations with Jeffrey. And I thought, well, let me start adapting some of these things for the screen and, or, you know, just writing Mm-hmm. newly for the screen but to answer your question about the story from everywhere right. um oh um quite a bit is inspired by the area where i am now this little town in the middle of alabama right between uh-huh. birmingham and montgomery where i grew up visiting my grandparents and now get to spend most of my time and it's not a coincidence that in the time that i've been here jeffrey and i have formed our production company filmed two shorts several more lined up you know it's it's just it's it this feels right to me it's a space where i can breathe um or as i said to one of our actors in do-over i said i was able to get out from under the thumb of los angeles Mm. which felt empowering to me inspired by the south inspired by race Inspired by the people around me, I love it when I go to the Piggly Wiggly or the unique barbecue, and I can wait and listen to how people. I love how people speak. Right. You know, I just love that it's an art how people speak. I'm inspired by, and again, a beautiful thing about getting older. I'm inspired by women, women in their stories and their resilience. Whether it's the you know female character in Do Over, all of a sudden getting to a point in life and looking back and going, oh shit. Oh my gosh can yeah. i you know and what do you do with that does it freeze you do you, or do you tr- start anew and i had that with my writing again a, a little over 10 years ago where a director friend of mine said get yourself in a writing class start writing and i was looking through something and i an old journal that i had written and i had this real moment i don't know if you guys have had that of like fear of oh my gosh my life is going by and i'm not doing Something I was meant to do. Yeah. It, yeah. Have you had that? Have you all had that? It was, it mm. was this, it stopped me in my tracks. That was, that was frightening. So, anyway, so those things, women at certain times grappling with things, um, that inspires me.
0: Right. Well, I had this similar thing. That's the reason why I started the podcast and the YouTube was because I'd been wanting to do this for a long time and it dawned on me if you don't do it now, you will you not get it done. And I found that. Pr- the people that I chat with and, and have as guests are also interesting and have very different takes on life. Some are similar, but unique in that respect. But Jeffrey, you write as well. Is that correct?
2: I, I can. Uh, writing is fifth or sixth in my wheelhouse, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I have written some in the past, a screenplay with a writing partner, an old friend of mine. Who was also a playwright? That was years ago, and uh, I have a stage show that I wrote that I was supposed to start doing in 2020. So I've, I put that off until launched until next year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and I get, like Leslie was saying, I've I've been inspired by the people in my life and think, situations that have happened to me. You know, that's mm-hmm. one great thing that I love about taking real life experiences. And translating them into a completely different storyline, plot, whatever, so that even people that are close to you in your life don't see your life experiences and past in that work. Right. Now, like the it's a, this, it's a 90 minute piece I wrote, a one woman show. She's not a drag queen, she's a real woman from South Texas, and um, along the lines of Greater Tuna, if people know that. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. but you know, the, 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 the three, four major points in this arc, it's about bullying and gay teen suicide. And, and it's a musical comedy, um, that things were, were inspired by things that happened to me in my life. Oh. And, uh, you know, people, I shouldn't be saying this maybe publicly, but even a lot of friends after seeing the show just had no clue that yeah. they were direct things taken directly from my life, but just couched yeah. in a way. And a new story and set of circumstances that that um, that didn't reflect on the original, but that what I found is the emotional impact and emotional heart mm-hmm. and integrity of the story translate, and that's
0: what people grasp onto. You and I've chatted before, and you you are a performer. You've done directing, cinematography, and visual storytelling. So, what out of that is your I, and I use the word fame, favor, but what is, which one of those is your passion? Which do you enjoy the best?
2: Well, because I, 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 I think of this as I mentioned wheelhouse before, like is right. my, my wheelhouse of fun for what I enjoy doing? I, I mean, as much as I love performing on the stage, too, I don't really act for camera or haven't before. Uh, as much as I love stage performing, m- m- the most th- fun thing for me is uh, directing for, for either stage or screen, followed by camera work. Cause I just, I, I love the visuals and, mm-hmm. and have an eye for that. I think just because I absorbed so much uh, media when I was young, cause I was a loner kid and, you know, mm-hmm. and um, after that producing, cause it's just all part of that body of work, then comes performing mm-hmm. uh, and then would be
0: writing. So the wheelhouse concept is, is new to me because I'm in the business world and the banking and social work aspect, we don't. We don't have that line of thinking of like, we have a wheelhouse and we need, we have different spokes, I guess would be the right word of different things in our lives that make up that wheelhouse, Mm -hmm. but but you do. And that's really great. Uh, Well, I think it, I mean, I actually think the concept could be applied to
2: anyone, not just creatives, but even, you know, for any, just any individual in your life, what, As you were asking, what do you find the most joy in in, and what you do? And then, you know, you can kind of rate stuff. Not that you don't like the stuff that's fifth or sixth. You still love it and love doing it. But
0: there's just, uh, I'd rather be, you know. Well, it was an eye opener for me uh, because I never look at that concept for myself. But after looking at it, it's like, oh, I could do that. (laughs) I I could could take and do a wheelhouse myself, just like you have. You could, I could do a wheelhouse just like you have done uh, with Mm -hmm. my talents. And so that was very eye-opening for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that.
1: What would yours be?
0: Do you know that mine would be along the lines of doing this. I love the interviewing process would be my passion that I do on that. And I enjoy that a lot. I do some writing and I enjoy that. But then I'm very good on the business side and I enjoy figuring out things and making things work within those, those environments such as business. And then aging folks are my passion. I love aging folks. I've always been an advocate for them uh, in doing that. Uh, And so I have a little social justice wing to me. So if I feel somebody's getting taken advantage of, then you, I just go, Ooh, we we cannot do this. So that's part of my my makeup is that social justice portion of it. But that's true. Mm. Be, yeah, yeah.
1: Were you f- interested in aging and aging people even when you were not in that category? And where did that come from?
0: Well, it is. I, uh, Lord, uh, Jeffrey, will relate to this. I grew up Southern Baptist back in the day, and so I was a, a, a attended the Baptist Student Union at West Texas State, which is where I went to get my undergrad work. And I became a Baptist student union missionary for the summer at Buckner True Home for the Aging in Dallas. And that's where it came from. And I must have been about 19, I think, at that age. And I realized I kind of relate to these folks from my background. And so we don't want to have people languishing in nursing homes uh, and things. So that's where it kind of sprang from, Leslie, was that back in that day.
1: Mm. And what did you find, just my last question, but what did you find as the common ground as a 19 year old? And were you assigned that or did you choose that you were assigned it? Yes. Isn't that amazing how that worked? And then it ended up being this, that's Mm -hmm. been such a, 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 you've had such feeling around for your life and you were just assigned that, but what was the common ground?
0: Uh, The common ground had to be with Again, being an, an only surviving child and growing up as a loner kind of myself and being around older people all the time, I think I felt a natu- natural affinity to that group. And also uh, growing up in a small communities in Oklahoma, Texas area, those individuals had to depend on themselves a lot, like your grandmother at 101 in, in small Alabama. and. Their viewpoints were totally different, in retrospect of what we have today. But again, they were independent women back in those days, mm. uh, and really, you know, survived in in some very tough situations. So I think the common ground has to be that they were able to tell their stories, and then my social justice came up, and so. I didn't had relatives, aunts and uncles that were in nursing homes and things. And that's not the the place where you need to be. So there has to be options out there. I have uh, my bachelor's is in social work, but back in the day they didn't pay anything. So I was in banking, making more in banking as a teller, part-time teller. And so that started the financial side. So it kind of blends both my talents together. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Thanks. It is. Mm-hmm. So
0: in your wheelhouse. Is that the correct term, Jeffrey Wilhouse? (laughs) Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's okay. Good, good, good. I want to do that. And yes, sir, you can tell you're from Texas. I'm doing that, because because that's the formal. My mother still says, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And they're all going, what is this? But yeah, truly, truly Southern. Um, But Leslie, what's in your Wilhouse? You've acted, you've written. Have you done directing as well?
1: Well, I uh, co-directed, do over. (laughs) Okay. Yes. It would be for mine writing, writing, and now I would say directing, producing, and acting way down there. Acting was, yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was I just what I love about it now. What was so exciting to me is that uh, I directed a a short called Mom's Day that Jeffrey and I, that was the first short we did before Do Over. And then Jeffrey and I co-directed Do Over. And what I loved, it was like all of those years as an actor, and again, I was mainly, you know, TV, small film, mainly in front of a camera. So I loved directing actors for the camera. And I also love paintings. and I loved an, and framing the framing, the composition, the lighting. Yeah. I was sort of like, "Oh, this is what I can do. <laughs> yeah. This is what I can do." So it was, it was several loves of mine, whether it's art. That you know again that composition the the lighting um, and the knowing how to talking to the actors and figuring out how to talk to each of our actors and how do you talk to people with hat that have so much experience and 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 learn from them at the same time so sure. I just loved the the delicate dance of directing and uh, was grateful to have Jeffrey mm-hmm. by my side.
2: Well, I I was just grateful to have Leslie's script and to have her there because you know I'll I, I don't want to embarrass Leslie but the 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 first screenplay she wrote that, that she when she turned Red Dirt Town the play into a screenplay I think I, I called you up and I was like I, you've never written a screenplay before because she just nailed it and I was saying telling her then she has such a natural eye and ear for for not just writing but directing mm-hmm. and I mean we're just it's I love working with her and th- that we have her words and story stories to tell is just a, that's a blessing i mean it's i'm very excited about what's
0: the future holds so well absolutely and you guys are very passionate about it which i love about about the new phase of life or where you're at now and what the possibilities are and most people don't have that i hope you understand that and realize that that's pretty unique because mm-hmm. the people that i deal with aren't looking in the future very much they're yeah. either in the past and they're not in the present. So that's really uh, refreshing for me to to see that from you guys. So thank you for doing that. So you have a new short out that you have. It's called Do-Over. So Leslie, tell me a little bit about Do-Over.
1: Do-Over is is the story of a woman, as we were saying, who Uh has gotten to a certain point in life and is looking back on the last several decades with some regret. And she decides to she's going to do something about that. And so she revisits one of her regrets to try to do things differently, to try to do them over. Okay. Yeah. It's a two-hander. It's, um, again, it's interesting when you're writing and you're producing. It's like, okay, the producer hat is like you as a finance person. Okay. Two two characters. Great. Let's keep them all inside the house. Great. <laughs> no, 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 needing, no need, you know, up and down the sidewalk, skip the car scene. No, she could just show up right on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. So it's this funny thing of, which I, I don't mind, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was very contained. Let's put it that way. So luckily, we had amazing actors. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Jeffrey, you had a, we talked about undo, uh, do over, undo Undo is my term for undoing myself. But anyway, do over. <laughs> and it, it was a great uh, concept and story. But how did you get co-write? How did the co-writing work? Oh, oh I, I did not co-write. No, right. we, no, you, wrote Leslie, Leslie, then Leslie. Wrote I, oh, I tweet. totally misunderstood. Yeah. I apologize all Okay. Oh, that's okay. okay. Um, that's Leslie's okay. got all the talent when it comes to writing. Jeffrey yes. does not. so yep. that that that's what it's
1: I wouldn't go that far. Well, I <laughs> wouldn't
2: I'm know. good at story development and edit and things okay. like that. but okay. uh, I can't like I Leslie can sit down and write, I think, twenty pages one day and the next morning get up and throw them out, say, no, that's not right, and redo them. Yeah, you know, that's so rare for for writers, oh, absolutely. To, you know absolutely. Uh, just redo their work and not be so. Touchy about it. Attached Um, to
1: it. There's no attachment.
0: um, Yes, excuse me. Absolutely. So, uh, Jeffrey, how does the directing, being a non entertainment person, onto it, explain a little bit of how directing comes about and what you look for and what you do, especially with uh, uh, short films such as Do Over?
2: Well, there are many similarities on one level between directing for the stage and directing. Uh, at least initially in my mind uh, for camera, because you have to be able to, when you read the script, obviously see it in your head and be gripped by what's going on and the emotions and the characters and, and whether it's a comedy or a drama, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, it's about seeing it, just really being able to visualize it now with stage, obviously you've got weeks and weeks to deal with actors. And that's just the most wonderful thing in the world. Screen, you usually don't. We were very lucky that we had two days with the actors really? to work with them. So moving specifically into film, for, for me, the directing is you know, you, you, no matter how big of a crew you have, right? it all comes down to what's right in front of that camera, when the camera's on and what are you capturing. So the goal is to ensure that everything is focused in on that. And to, you know, take after take, capture as many different, let the actors play, capture as many different takes as you can, you know, time permitting, because really it's, you know, the film is made in the editing, obviously. But uh, as far as on-set directing, just keep everyone focused and upbeat and loving what we're doing, especially, you know, it's, it's just about creating the space for the actors and our DP, Ileana uh, and everyone else to do their thing. Okay. I I see directing as being like the traffic cop in a way. Yes, we have our vision and we know what we need to see and work with the different departments to try to create something, but it, it's all, if you just let people do, you know, if you get everyone on the same page to start and then let them go off and do what they will with it, you're always going to come up with anything better, you know, than, than you could have thought of yourself. That's how it's always been for me.
0: And from a um, non-entertainment DP means what?
2: A director of photography, photography cinematographer. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, good, thank you. Yeah. Um, Leslie, how do you approach the directing aspect? Do you do similarly, or is it a little different? Or
1: Gary, I am so new at directing. I don't don't even <laughs> know don't even know what my process is. Other than yeah, I had said it was just interesting. That's it. Just felt like a familiar shoe right even though i had never worn that shoe before
0: but you yeah had, you had uh, both of you have been in act actors uh, writing scripts all of that so uh that probably helped didn't it bring oh. to do that
1: Well, it did. I mean, I've been on, it made me wish again that I had paid more attention, all the sets I was on. I have been on those sets in front of the camera, you know, and it's, it's so many times. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. amazing how much, you know, just a, what a bread and butter actor, you just so many times um, on those sets. So you do sort of have a sense of what's going on. Right. In this case. Yeah. No, no, no. I was, I was just gonna say, as far as an approach, it's really... Yeah, there's just a lot of prep work that goes into it ahead of time. And then every case, I'm excited to find out more. Every, you know, these actors were so experienced. I had said to my daughter, I think it was, I was like, the best thing I can do is just stay out of their way. And that was true to a point. And then there are little things that you tweak here and there. Yeah. Uh, So,
0: coming from an actor's background, is it easier, do you think, to communicate with your actors on set? Oh, yeah. Yes
1: yeah in fact i had i said something to melanie melanie hutzel our female character i said she was like there was, she was nervous about the last day it was sort of a pivotal you know moment and she said oh this is the big day and i said ah don't even worry about it don't even, call it in she's like i can't call it in i said don't even and whether that was the right thing to say or not but another i was trying to say no pressure right. just Show up, okay. just be there. Right. Show up. So much, as Jeffrey said, is made in the editing. I don't think I realized. I didn't think about that as an actor. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: So, do you do your own editing?
1: We know no, we no. work no. closely though. Okay. We don't do our own editing as far as punching it all in and you know right. doing all of that. But Jeffrey, you, we and he, Jeffrey and I have worked like side by side. Sure. Like. Sure. We have pages of notes of.
0: So that's the reason why I have Dan editing and Aaron editing for me, because I have no clue, nor do I want to know clue on that.
2: And, yeah. and we have a great editor, Nathaniel Beaver, that uh, we've known each other almost 10 years, like 10 years yeah. through the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Oh, cool. And he had edited many little things for me over the years. And he's a great editor and great to work with. So, you know, we yeah. feel one thing that, We thought about, and Leslie really talked about when we were starting all this, we need to build a team. I mean, you look Mm -hmm. at Hollywood and you see the biggest producers, directors, what have you, they work with the same people decade after decade sometimes. So if you collect great people that you mesh well with, you want to keep them. Well,
0: and Leslie, you led me into the next question. The actors are very experienced in your short film, Uh, Mm -hmm. Do Over. So tell me a little bit about how the the actors that are involved uh, in your production?
1: How we got lucky enough to get them. I know it was one of those. And again, this is the beauty of getting older, where I yeah. just thought, no, let me try to reach that person. Right. Let me try. Had several no's before I got a yes. Um, and how we got um, Denny Arndt, who plays our male character. And I was having a conversation with my mother. And uh, even though I didn't do much theater as an actor, I grew up going to the theater with my parents. So, and I right. love, I love the theater. If if theater is good, it is the absolute best. Moves me to tears, even to say it. And I had seen. I was in New York several years ago, and had seen Mary Louise Parker in a play called The Sound Inside. And my mother and I were playing this game of what's your favorite book you've read recently? What's your favorite play? And I said, oh, I love The Sound Inside with Mary Louise Parker. And we were trying to cast this character. Oh, and I don't know if Jeffrey told, we did have, Ed Asner had signed on to work with us oh. on this.
2: Uh, two weeks before he passed, oh, or like the week or so bad. before he passed.
1: But he again, I know. And, passed away. and yet... And yet he gave us such a vote of confidence. Yeah, it was definitely. such a gift. It was like this amazing parting gift. But that again, though, Gary, it was like me, like, okay, who do I know? Who do I know? Oh, my daughter's child friend's mother directed his, Ed Asner's daughter in a play. It's Isn't it sort of like business or finance or producing? You're just like, okay, where can we? It's connecting these dots. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we were able to reach Ed Asner. And then after that, we were just sort of in this you know, void of you know, three yeah. or four months. Who can we get? So I was having that game with my mother in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, I thought, wait a minute. Who did I see him with? I saw Mary Louise Parker in a play at the Mark Taper in Los Angeles, a two-hander. Who was that actor she was working with? It was called Heisenberg. And I said, oh, my gosh. And so I looked him up. <gasps> he would be perfect. Didn't know Denny. Uh, tracked him down through through IMDb Pro, through his agent in New York, got a resounding no, no, you know, F- short films. Agent, we yeah. know you have no budget. You'll have to fly him first <laughs> class. He lives in Ashland, Oregon. No, no, no. I finally, and again, older, I probably yeah. would have run scared in my 20s or 30s. Mm-hmm. I said, why don't you let, basically, why don't you let him decide? Right. It's a good role. Let, let him decide. And she said, okay. And she sent him the script and he wanted to talk to me. And so several, yeah, had a conversation he said he was in and many conversations. We only had two days with the actors before filming, three-day filming, two days of rehearsal, but we had many conversations. And you see why Denny Arndt was nominated for a Tony Award. Mm-hmm. That makes me, realize, yeah. You see why, because he just was, yeah, t- 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 Tony nominated for his work with Mary Louise Parker and Heisenberg. He was just so, I learned so much, Jeffrey. I I think we learned so much from the conversations with him, from working with him. Conversations before and on the set.
0: Yeah. How cool. And Jeffrey, I know we talked about the female lead uh, and Um, has a wonderful background as well.
2: Oh, yes. Melanie Hutzel. Um, She was on uh, starting Not Live in the 90s, early 90s. Her biggest character she was known for was playing Jan Brady. But I met her through other friends in theater. Uh, She was involved in the real-life Brady Bunch, the national touring phenomenon from the early 90s. And I met her uh, through Chicago Friends. And seeing her way back in the day when we were kind of hanging in the same circles and I was seeing a lot of shows they were doing in the L.A. area, Mm -hmm. um, she was not only just hilarious on stage... But then talking with her offstage, I she was just so different from her goofy characters and such. And I even back then I was like, I, I want you to do a you need to do a drama, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. And so when we, you know, were thinking of of the actresses, that she came to mind and I I told Leslie, and Leslie looked her up and says, Oh, right, I know her. And I think the first thing he said was that that's Donna. I just I got just,
1: I got goosebumps. You mentioned uh-huh. her name, we were on the phone, I googled her, her image came up and I was like, "Oh, there she is."
2: How cool. And uh, it's that. really great. Again, we, you know, we, we haven't been close for years and years, but of course, mm-hmm. you know, we uh, we she's just amazing and lovely uh, wonderful friend. Mm-hmm. And um I think the first zoom call we had with her and she, since SNL, she pe- people will recognize her if they've watched any movie. She's been, you know, guest starred on so many TV shows. And, and even in the movie bridesmaid, she had a hilarious scene on the tennis courts, you know? <laughs> and so she's done a lot like that. And on our first yeah. meeting, I, I said something of a zoom meeting. Cause I I'm in Palm Springs actually while Leslie's in Alabama. And, uh, and Melanie was in L.A. And I. And made Melanie
1: some- is now in Tennessee. She yes. said, I like what you're doing. And she and her husband are like, we're getting out from under the thumb of L.A. too. And her husband is a music composer. And so now right. they're anyway, they're in Tennessee. Yeah.
2: But I, I remember I made the comment because they, they were Leslie and Melanie were meeting each other on our Zoom call. Mm-hmm. And I said something like, and Melanie, I know you haven't done much you know, drama or anything, opportunity over the years. And Liz, I think you jumped it right in and says, oh, no, Jeffrey, let's not presume to know. And Melanie goes, oh, no, Jeffrey's right. In 30 years, I really have not been offered a regular role, something that's non-comedic and goofy. Sure. So to be able to give her this opportunity it, and what she does with it is just, it's a dream come true. I mean, it really is. Absolutely.
0: So, all these years later. So is the short released and where can I see it?
1: We, um, are post-production. we are in post production. We are still. We have picture lock. Um, in fact, but I stepped away from looking What's at it. picture
0: lock, Leslie? Well,
1: this is. I'm. I'm new to this too, Gary. This uh, picture lock is when the images are set when you've uh-huh. worked with the editor and you have the images set. So then it can be sent to sound and color to adjust the color, color correction, and to sound to smooth out the sound, the dialogue. Wow the ambient tones but you picture lock is what you get to the product that you send to others for others to carry on their artistry
0: so post-production you're still finishing the film as is the term
1: yes but i'm really
0: proud
2: i'd say i'm really proud that you know we we pretty much are doing this in under three months a post turnaround because so many you know over the years you see so many people with even short films and they languish seven eight nine months Trying to get it finished, and for whatever reason, but Leslie and I were just like, "Nope, we have deadlines, you know, for festivals, and let's do it." So, okay. I'm really happy. I'm really proud. So,
0: you're going to release it to festivals. That yeah. I understand that correctly.
1: We so, apply to festivals. Right?
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm I, I'm pushing the the boundary here. It's going to be in every one of them. You're going to get it in every one of them. So that's great. I love your
1: thinking. Love <laughs> your thinking.
0: So what other projects are you guys working on
1: together? We have, yeah, we have the two that we want to do next year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's another short, just because I realized, and again, I think this is a business thing. It's a numbers game. You know, one reason that we didn't want to get so, we wanted our, we were using a festival submission deadline as a deadline for the film to get it through post post you know, what do they say to writers? I don't need more time. I need a deadline, you know, and that applies to so many things. Just give me a deadline. And, but one reason I think Jeffrey and I wanted that was because of the other things that we have coming up. We have um, a short that we're going to do in Los Angeles that I wrote called White People Walking Their Dogs. You can imagine about gentrification, huge Uh issue in so many cities. And, uh, And I have a bit of the social activism in me as well. That's a part of my, when I see something that's just, not right. That inspires my writing. Right. Back to that. Your question. And then Jeffrey and I, we think for our first feature that we're going to do. And again, wearing the producer hat uh-huh. because it would be so uh, relatively inexpensive to do. We're going to film. We're turn um, the play that Jeffrey directed of mine, A Good Grief. That's going to be the first feature that we do, and it's four people in a ro- one room, like an adult education center, like a night classes, they're in a mm-hmm. room and they've come there for grief counseling and wow. realize they're in the wrong room <laughs> 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 and how they stay and what transpires in this room with these four strangers.
0: Well, I'm totally blown away, Leslie, how you take and develop a story like that. There's no way I could ever think of those things and integrate them together on that. So that's great. Love that the theme of that. Yeah. And there's and,
1: one more. There's just one more I have to say, which is on track uh, that is in our lineup for another feature. It's called Roberta and the Pink Ice Cream Truck. And Roberta and the Pink Ice Cream Truck. And it was inspired by the West Adams neighborhood in Los Angeles, where I lived for years, uh-huh. I have a little house there. And the pink ice cream truck that goes up and down the streets every day. And this young girl, probably about 10 or 11, who would ride shotgun in the, in the pink ice cream truck. So where do riders get your? I was just like, what is, who is that? What is her story? Who is she with? And I wrote a story about that oh, young girl, great. that young woman.
0: So you get to do what you like best, Jeffrey, which is a direct, these productions, and that's that's good too. How how do you approach directing differently on each you, – you obviously do on each production, but is there – what differences would you look at between a full length and a short film? In my mind, there's, there's no difference really. I mean, because really? it, for me, it's –
2: as I was saying before about you're focusing, getting everyone, everything focused into when that camera's rolling. Right.
0: So it's actually, just expanding the time, time, isn't it?
2: Trying to create that. And that's yeah. moment to moment, day by day, whether yeah. it's a 19-page a, a script, a 75-page script, or 120-page script. Okay. You have to you know, be so clear in your mind, especially since you rarely get to shoot things in sequential order especially on larger projects. you got to break right. up where you film, but you've got to, it's just day every day. When the camera's rolling, are you creating that world and letting the actors explore and play around to give you enough mm-hmm. that in the editing, you can build it. So that that's my take on it.
0: Well, good. Yeah. Coming from a non-entertainment background, I just, it's so fascinating to see all the aspects that you guys get to work with. How cool is that? that my last question has to do with describing your future and the future for other generations. How, how do you see your future going, Jeffrey, and, and, and that of future generations?
2: Every day we wake up and choose to be happy, uh, despite what's going on in the world. Okay. You know, my, my mom... Um,
1: Thank you, Francis.
2: <laughs> you know, my, my mom... Yeah. Th- there have been times in the past, especially in the past couple of years when I kind of spun out Because of uh, everything that we're going through now, I won't get into it, but politically, I mean, I was talking about this over 10 years ago, with the beginning, 20 years ago, but with the beginning of the Tea Party and W's first term. I'm like, is anyone else seeing where we're going in history, where this is leading? Mm -hmm. But my mom would tell me, Jeffrey, the world has always been on the edge of disaster. Okay. There's always going to be something. So don't get too worked up. No matter what's going on every day, when we wake up, we can either lament the state of things, or we can just exist with them and say, "You know what? Despite that, I'm going to choose to be happy." So when I look at the future, well, when I look at mine and Leslie's future, I am very excited because I just I I see a lot for us. And as yeah. far as for gener- other generations, what my mom says, you know, make make your future despite whatever's going on out there. Just make sure that you are dedicating your life to finding that joy and mm-hmm. in making the best of it and and in trying to help other people, whether through mm-hmm. storytelling or what have you, you know?
0: So Leslie, what about you? How do you see your future and the future for like your daughter?
1: There's a simplicity there's, you know, and that finding that joy. I love what you said about, you know, if it's not giving me joy, finding a joy in the simplicity mm-hmm. um, of life. I love, and I don't think they are, you know, Disparate. The, the, I love being in nature here in Alabama. I love sure. the trees, the rivers, the creeks. And that to me just fuels and nourishes. I love being able to go into an LA or New York, but that fuels such a creative life to me is being right. outside of the, uh, cities. As far as to other generations and how they see the future, it, as Jeffrey, sort of what Jeffrey is saying, it's their choice. It's mm-hmm. all in one's perspective. And I see a, a, a cynicism. Like mm-hmm. a a sarcasm and a cynicism or in a bitterness and a, I don't know why yeah. what you know then then you will create that then that mm-hmm. is what you will see exactly um,
0: exactly I am hopeful that future generations will realize that they can make their own choices and change the world with themselves and that's important I lied on one last question Jeffrey you recommended a book to me I believe oh. On- uh- <laughs>
2: Jane Fonda's my life so far.
0: Yes, we were talking. About. And so I actually have the book. I'm getting ready to read it because I've got a ten hour flight coming up next week, and so to do that. But you were telling me that this has really impacted and helped your your life. This book. So could you yeah. kind of t- talk a little bit about that?
2: Um, I think it was it came out in 2005. It was her autobiography that she mm-hmm. wrote herself. You know, and I, I love the book because she not only goes through her her life her and her you know her movie career was really only 15 or 20 percent of her life right i know people most people just think of her as this actress but it was such a small part of her life and so she talks a little about her career over the decades but she also talks about her personal growth through each, each decade what was going through each decade plus she talks about the the art of writing she had never really written before so she talks a lot about the writing And then most importantly, she talks about aging. She wrote it, uh, it came out right when she was 60. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is actually, Leslie tagged the name of our company, Third Act Productions, because Jane Fonda talks about that. She says, you know, always in in our modern day, uh, people over 60 put them out to pasture. Whereas always, it seems before in the history of human civilization, elders were respected and revered. They, you know, were in charge of things because our third act, 60 plus, should be our most productive when we're using all the wisdom and everything that we've learned over our lives. And, uh, it's just, it was a great book it meant a lot good. to me. And I I suggested it to Leslie and she wrote it and called one day and said, we should call ourselves third act production. I'm like,
0: yeah, that's perfect. How cool so, is that? I've got the book. I'm looking, I've read up maybe a chapter or two, so it's going to be really good to do, but I just wanted to bring that up because it really, really was an excellent book and impacted me just the short time I've read the chapters. Well, thank you for so much for being part of our podcast. And uh, your future is so bright. I can't wait to see all the things you're going to to do and produce and everything. That'll be so wonderful. So thank you.
1: Well, no thank matter you. the success of them, no matter you will know we are happy. We That's are doing right. things that bring us joy. you know whether it's writing directing producing we are doing things that we love
0: yeah and and it's it's evident you guys are are in your right paths uh going forward because i the joy is there so congratulations way to go thank you thanks
1: so much gary uh, thanks for having us on you're welcome
0: and i'm very honored to have you as guests thank you again oh Thank thank you Thanks for tuning in to Bourbon with Beagle presented by me, Gary Beagle. Be sure to subscribe to Bourbon with Beagle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening now. I would like to thank my producer, Dan Bruton of SignalCast, and my digital media and marketing specialist, Aaron Haley. Without them, Bourbon with Beagle would not be possible.